0: Welcome to the Catherine Zox
1: Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the
2: Catherine Zox Show. It's Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with the microphone. It's my co-host Lauren Deller Blake on Voice America. How are you this morning, Lauren?
3: Good morning, Catherine. I'm waking up.
2: <laughs> well, wake up because we have a lot of guests on this morning. We have lots to talk about, and our first guest. It, this is a topic, I mean, it's it's timely, it's a politically hot topic. Um, Professor J. Michael Bailey, I think he's already here, he's on the line, but he is the spokesperson for the National Geographic Channel and the show In the Womb, Identical Twins, which is going to be airing this Sunday. Um, on the uh, National Geographic Channel, obviously. He is a professor of psychology at Northwestern University, and he has conducted important twin studies on human sexual orientation. Well, since Prop 8, this is what's been in the news for the past uh, two or three weeks, and is currently a collaborator on a large study of the molecular genetics of male sexual orientation, which is what we're going to talk about today, and about this particular uh, this, this film about in-the-womb identical twins. Um, Welcome to the show, December 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's when the show is going to air. Welcome to the show, Professor Bailey. Thank you. Can you hear me? You're a little bit uh, soft there.
4: Oh, I can hear you fine. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll try to speak
2: up. Okay, great. Well, I'll turn up my headphones. How's that? Okay. Yeah, that's better. Okay, talk about sexual orientation. Apparently... Um, you know, I always thought that identical twins, as most of us did, if you're an identical twin, you're an identical twin in every way. But that's not really true, especially when it comes to sexual orientation. Is that right? Uh,
4: yeah, that's not true. Uh, sexual orientation uh, is one of uh, many traits that can differ even between identical twins who are raised together. And uh, there's a set of twins on the program that look just identical, but one of them is gay and the other is straight, and that happens
2: quite often. Dr. Bailey, epigenetics, um, that's what you say describes the differences between identical twins. What is epigenetics?
4: Well, epigenetics uh, is a process that can cause differences between identical twins, and it has to do with the fact that not only do you have to have... Uh, certain genes, but they have to be turned on, Uh, and uh, twins can have the same genes, but if different patterns of genes are turned on, they'll be different.
2: So explain to us in layperson's terms, in utero, in the womb, um, how does that work? I mean, what kinds of things affect you have, you know, two identical twins from the same, what, blasto, I'm trying to use the uh, scientific, re- the blastocytes or whatever, They it's the egg splits, identical, but then what are the nuances of this, uh, you're talking about this epigenetics that affect yeah. each one of the the, um, uh, the babies so that they develop differently in terms of their sexual orientation?
4: Well, I, I need to say I'm not a developmental biologist. I'm an okay. expert on sexuality. Nevertheless, I watched the wonderful National Geographic show, so I know more than I used to, and uh, so... Uh, well, you, I would just have to say you know more than we do, so <laughs> we'll start from there. Yeah, well, okay. I, I strongly recommend it. Uh, uh, things that can affect epigenetics include everything from uh, viruses to uh, diet to smoking patterns. Uh, And so, obviously, uh, the the fetuses are not smoking, but uh, their mothers might be. And that that can affect uh, their uh, genetic regulation. Uh, And, you know, what what we still don't understand very well is how it can affect one twin but not the other. Uh, But it turns out, uh, as the show shows, that uh, even identical twins can differ somewhat in their genes. Uh, and I did not know that before watching the show
2: the um other things i guess even is this even the, their position in the womb can affect their their genes is that true too where uh, their posi- we we
4: think that that 's true yeah uh-huh and and if one of them is uh crowding the other and uh yeah we we think that th- that can affect uh epigenetics
2: so Dr. Bailey, even though they look alike, identical, twins look alike, and you study, or these are the twins, I guess, that we were going to see on the show on Sunday, Uh, Celso and Jesus, these were the two raised by the same parents, same household, yet Celso is gay and his brother is not.
4: That's correct, and they were different, even as children, uh, in terms of their interests. One of them was kind of a typical boy interested in athletics and so on, the other was more artistic. And you can guess which one is now straight and which one is now gay,
2: interesting so is there any particular uh, you're talking about um the things that affect uh the embryo um, what are there any particular chemicals that that are released that would perhaps because the question is are people born gay you know i mean that's yeah. the political question of the day too also so um are, are there different chemicals that's That uh, you know create or set off the estrogen or testosterone or or, or that kind of stuff that makes them different. The identical twins, one being born gay and the other being born straight.
4: Well, you you said the right uh, uh, words there. We think that uh, testosterone, in particular, uh, ultimately is going to regulate the degree to which the brain is masculinized uh, or not, and we think that there is an area of the brain that. Uh, controls sexual orientation that is more masculinized in straight men than gay men. Uh, but this is still a, hy- a working hypothesis that we don't have direct proof for, but, but we do uh, certainly know that there are prenatal uh, influences on sexual orientation.
2: What do you think the political implications are for this?
4: Well, um, it's more complicated than you might think uh, because um, you know, really, the, what causes sexual orientation is not directly relevant to how we should view it. And, and I, I should just uh, say I'm I'm very pro gay, no matter what causes it.
2: Well, I'm um, very pro gay also, so you're yeah. on the right show. <laughs> okay. Uh,
4: so I think um, uh, I I do think that the more that we know about sexual orientation, including its origins, the more tolerant we will tend to get because uh, we increasingly recognize that there's no reason to be prejudiced against, against gay people.
2: Well, I totally agree with that. There's no, absolutely no question, well, at least in my mind. Uh, talk to us more about your studies, though. So, now, you're at Northwestern. You're studying the role of sexual arousal and sexual orientation. So you actually do research on a daily basis and how gender conform, nonconformity and sexual orientation are related. Uh, we've got a few more minutes. Let's talk specifically about that and your research.
4: Okay. Well, uh, one program of research that I have that you mentioned uh, is on, uh, gaydar, you know, can you tell somebody's gay, uh, from their superficial behavior? And if so, how early? And, and we find that you can tell much better than chance whether somebody's gay just by watching them move or listening to them talk. And this, uh, begins, uh, in childhood, actually. Often, very early, as soon as a child can move, you can tell better than chance whether they're gonna be a gay child or not.
2: That's interesting now is that does that work both for male and female for lesbians and and men and yes, gay men what?
4: Yes. yes it does
2: see i always i mean you know it's interesting i well maybe my gay dar isn't that great, but um you know you see some of these uh- foot, well i guess stereotypic football players and athletes and you know they look like these macho men and then you find out that they're gay so
4: yeah, well, it's pretty rare actually for, say, a professional football player to be gay, although it has happened. Uh, and, but you do see many gay men who, uh, work out very muscular and so on. So, just based on their, their the look of their body, you might think that they would be, I don't know, uh, macho men and so on. But, uh, uh, if you focus more on their behavior and their interests, that's more revealing.
2: You say, doctor, um, their interests. Okay, I can understand maybe in the arts and, and people in the arts or men in the arts tend to, Or I would say, yes, probably in my experience more of them are gay. But um, but, but what else? What other behavior characteristics? I have to ask you this because I read an article saying that if um, in children and in, I guess in, in uh, young boys, if they are either left-handed or they are ambidextrous, that that may be a sign that they are Um, that
4: they are gay? Um, Left-handedness is a little more common among gay men and even more so among lesbians than it is among straight people, but it's not a great predictor. Uh, It's really the the, the kinds of uh, predictors are the stereotypes, which would be interest in things that the other sex typically likes. So, uh, you know, girls who are extreme tomboys Um, are at somewhat uh, higher chance of becoming lesbian eventually, although many of them become straight women.
2: So what would be the implications, I guess the important things as a parent, I guess, if you notice some of these behavior characteristics in your child. It would be good for you, one to be aware so that you could um, help them in terms of their development because it might be more, di- they may be having more difficulty in school or, you know, kids can make fun of them. So if you're aware as a parent, you can be a much more supportive and nurturing parent to your gay child or your lesbian child if you are aware of some of this this research and this information.
4: That's an excellent point. And I would add that we really have no e- evidence that parents
5: can
2: change
4: the sexual orientation of their children, they probably can't. But what they can do is uh, make their kids happier or more miserable, and it's their choice.
2: We can do that for all our kids. That's definitely yeah. true. That's a general statement. But my question is why would you want to change them? Some of the, You know, you're talking about um, particularly gay men who have all these wonderful artistic qualities and we've got the best, uh, you know examples of that throughout our civilization in terms of our art and our music. So why would we want to change that? If you—that's ha- my question. I agree with you. <laughs> um, well, now let's just get back to the. Pro- we want to obviously make sure that listeners know. Uh, I did. Did I give the exact time on on um, Sunday for the airing of the show, December twenty first, nine pm Eastern Time, the National Geographic Channel.
4: That's right.
2: Yeah, and, and if you have any other thing you want to add that we should be aware of, or listen, to, it's it's just it's that one show, right? It's this that, isn't the end of the series of a four-part series uh, on the National Geographic Channel.
4: That's right. On in the womb, uh, th- this one thing I would say is that people are going to see some amazing images of twins in the womb. Uh, it's just incredible. I couldn't believe it when I saw it myself
2: this is because you have that new 4D what is the the ultrasound you can see it from like the whole instead of 3D it's even it's 4D right is that what they call it that's so you get right. the full picture in the womb that's right a friend of mine who was pregnant showed me hers and i was like amazed that's just i mean it's incredible anyway it's been great having you on the show and thanks for obviously sharing all that information for to us uh professor j michael bailey from uh northwestern university professor of psychology uh, have a great holiday
4: Thank you. You too.
2: Thank you. We're going to be back in a few minutes. Lauren Beller-Blake and Catherine Zox on Voice America. We have another guest coming up. And uh, don't go away. We'll be back in a minute.
0: voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 VoiceAmerica.com
1: If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style. Gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. You know Dance is life. Life is dance broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now.
4: This
6: isn't silence. It's nothing. Every year, a million families lose their homes to foreclosure because they do nothing. If you've fallen behind on your mortgage, do something. Call 1-888-995-HOPE. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the ad council in this station.
0: Keeping families together whole and healthy is sometimes a serious challenge to parents. And when there's a crisis, where do you turn for help? right here The Parents Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman an open and frank forum covering both legal and social issues surrounding our kids Tune in for The Parents Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Radio Network stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
1: you're listening to the katherine zock show on the voice america women's channel if you'd like to join our conversation this morning call now the toll-free number is 866-472-5788 that number again is 866-472-5788
2: we're back. Catherine Fox with Lauren Deller-Blake. You're listening to Voice America. I'm your social worker with the microphone. We talk about all kinds of things on the show, don't we, Lauren? Well, you always mix it up so well. Well, I've mixed it up. We were talking about gender and sexual orientation. Now we're going to talk about travel because this is the travel season, and I've been trying to do last-minute travel. This is the perfect guess. The holiday travel season definitely is in full swing, but there's a lot you need to know before you travel, especially if it involves taking a plane. So true. So joining us from Los Angeles, Los Angeles, sunny Los Angeles I assume, it's gray and snowing here in the East Coast, Uh, with some last minute holiday travel tips to keep your spirits holly jolly, I like that, is the Travel Mom. We all know the Travel Mom, Emily Kaufman. Emily is uh, the author of, uh, her new book is the Travel Mom's Ultimate Book of Family Travel. Great. She's been all on, She's always on the. Uh, she's Good Morning America and all the uh, you know morning television shows. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Emily.
5: Hi. Thank you so much. What a great transition from the whole gender thing to the travel thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just want to encourage people. It's a fantastic time to travel. I do know the economy is challenging, and I don't want to minimize that. But for people that do want to get away, there still are some really affordable, fun, family friendly things to be done.
2: All right, so, Emily, what are they? What are the family-friendly things? Because it's hard to do it now with, you know, especially with air travel. It really does.
5: You know, the key is if if you're doing a trip this holiday season out west to California visiting family or whatnot, you've got to make a stop at a place like Legoland, California, because it offers something for every family member from grandparents down to little ones, and they've got a holiday block party going on from December 20th until December 31st with fireworks and life-size Santas and 30-foot-tall trees. Um, So it's a really cool thing to do. Uh, Also, I I, I, I want to encourage people to visit the Caribbean because, like you were saying, it's snowy and cold there on the East Coast. Uh, It's beautiful, warm, sunny beaches in the Cayman Islands right now with turquoise blue water and Stingray City and great opportunities for families to do all kinds of cool marine life stuff.
2: Can you still get reservations now? I mean, it's late, or do you get last-minute reservations? You yeah, you good can prices? still get
5: reservations, and if you go to caymanislands.ky, you can actually look into making those reservations. But if you're going to travel, you want to protect your investment this year, too, and make certain that you take advantage of things like travel insurance at Travel Guard. It has my Travel Guard plan where up until your departure date, you can purchase insurance and the price goes down up until when you're, you're about to travel. All of the things I just was talking about are at yournewscafe.com with destinations, travel tips, ideas, and suggestions. So I want to encourage people to to still travel this holiday season and have a great time doing it.
2: Terrific. That's great. Yournewscafe.com so you can get all that information. Exactly. And and good idea. I think we have to say goodbye at 20 past, but I... um... Anyway, it's been great. I'm, I'm going to do just what you say. I'm trying to get to the Caribbean, so I'm going to follow your advice. I'm going to go to your news cafe and see if I can get there and back and get some good accommodations. All right,
5: fantastic. Have a great time.
2: Thank you. Emily Kaufman, the travel mom, great advice. What do you think, Lauren? Are you ready to take a trip? I have to say, you. I want to I wanna
3: be you when I grow up. You <laughs> <laughs> got quite a few more years
2: to go before then. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
3: So where are you going to go in the Cayman? Are you think the Cayman or the Caribbean?
2: I was looking at the, well actually I'm going to do this last minute trip. This is like crazy. I've been telling my friends I'm not going anywhere. And of course they know as well as you do that's not true. It's just that I hadn't decided where I was going to go. So anyway, I'm going to so take So where do you think you're going to go? Well, there was this wonderful cruise, this fabulous cruise that my my family with not all my not my kids but my extended family was going on but it was a two-week cruise and i can't do that for two weeks that's too much it's too confining so last minute and this is you know sort of what emily was saying emily kaufman the travel mom you can do some of this last minute if you if, if you don't have to plan ahead uh what happened was the cruise line which had been totally booked now has a lot of enough st- staterooms and you can just go for one week. And I think because, you know, the downturn in the economy, uh-huh. people cancel, people lose their money, and people die. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so you're going to go for a week. You're going to go on the same cruise but just for a week.
2: Exactly, and which was nice. perfect. Yeah, and that's 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 enough for me because I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise. It, I then, have, yeah. Yeah, well, they get a little bit confining even though you, you're at sea a day and then you get to some great port or hopefully it's a great port and then you get off. But still, you're kind of confined i feel anyway
3: i never felt like that there was always so much to do and because you do stop pretty regularly you really have it's just there's so much to see i had never felt confined
2: well you know, that's how i i have that problem anyway maybe it's it, it, <laughs> i always have felt confined there's
3: always entertainment and food and you know you can walk around in the fresh air there's always something to do
2: can i tell you what i did I had, and I I don't know if I told you this before, but we had this huge ice storm in in up in in New York, right? Last week, really, it was so that all the power lines went down. Two hundred and fifty thousand people in New York. Crazy. Upstate, crazy. Had no power. And, of course, I was one of them, naturally, and didn't have power for four days. So when my power went out on Thursday morning, I'm lying in bed watching television, and all of a sudden I get this crackling. This is like 1 o'clock in the morning. It felt like the end of the world, and I look outside, and all the trees are toppling over. Since I can't do anything about it, well, my lights went out, and I went to bed. <laughs> so, Hard. I went, That's what I would
3: have done, too. You
2: would have done the same thing, right? I wake up the next morning, and I did have a meeting, but it was way over on the other side of town, and I thought, well, I'll go over there. I have no heat. I might as well get in my car and leave and see if the meeting is, because I couldn't get a hold of anybody, is still going on.
3: And you had no idea what was happening in the whole area?
2: No, I had no idea. I mean, I could see that nobody had lights. So, Lauren, this is what I did. I got into my car, and I figured I'm going to get, I have one of those SUVs, which I should get rid of, because it's really, I'm starting to feel guilty about that. Yeah, I don't know about
3: More green car.
2: Yes, more green. Do you have a green car?
3: Well, my, I don't have a big car. I have a. I don't have a green car yet, but I think that in the next two years I'm going to get one.
2: Me well, too. Go ahead, finish your story. Yeah, it's yeah, it's reached the tipping point. That you know, it's the critical mass. Yeah. I need to do that. I don't that. have
3: I, a big car. I have a little car.
2: Good. So you're much better than I am at this point. So anyway, I get in. I to get out of my. You know, I have to unhook my garage door because it's electric and put it onto manual and push the thing up. And I get out and suddenly I see my whole driveway is covered with huge, huge branches. So I couldn't. Get out. Get out.
3: You were stuck.
2: So what I did was, because I have a corner lot, a big corner lot, I got in my car and I gunned no. it. I, <laughs> I went right I across, across my lawn. Your <laughs> lawn. <laughs> and drove, <laughs> I drove right across my lawn and out onto the street. Can I tell you how wonderful I felt? <laughs> it was this feeling of power.
3: You had it a little was, testosterone going
2: on. It's my house. <laughs> it's my lawn. There's nobody to tell me that I can't go, and my lawn is not that great anyway. But it was just the greatest feeling, and I was telling my son, my youngest son. He said, "Yeah, it was like American Beauty." I don't it's know. If that, it's, oh, that's a perfect vision. Yeah, it is. And he was so right. It, it was. Yeah, it was the. Te- I felt like my testosterone. Testosterone was working. The adrenaline was going. And that was it. All I had to do was drive across the lawn, and I was out. And uh, And and, was
3: the meeting happening?
2: No. I got there. There were a couple people there who had opened up the building, but the the meeting was canceled. Uh, You know, no one else, because people didn't, somehow when people don't have electricity, they somehow think they can't do anything. I mean, you can get in your car and go to the meeting, but anyway, which is what I did. (laughs) stupid, isn't it? Oh, funny. Yeah. All right. So I told you one of my stories. But anyway, that was very cool. And so now I've stayed at my boyfriend for four days, and uh, I have my heat back, and I'm all set. Now I have to leave.
3: And now you won't see him for another week because you've had an overdose of him, right? He, well,
2: <laughs> he's <laughs> listening. I can't say anything. <laughs> Yes, ladies, I love him dearly, but I think after a while, and i don't and I think women who have either been widowers or divorced for a long time and you you or or anybody in that kind of a situation and actually, you were in that situation too for quite a few years, you get used to living alone, not being alone not not having someone or not being close to someone that's what we're talking about, but physically, when you're in your own house like that, you just you do get used to it I have it now. <laughs> and you're married
3: uh, yeah I was speaking to a new woman that I met last night at the Sierra school and she said her husband used to travel all the time and he just recently took a job she says I, after at first I was happy about it she says and then I second guessed was this a good move <laughs> because now he's home every day
2: yeah well, that's a, you know you bring up a good point because I think this does happen to a lot of couples. We're, we're kind of we are creatures of habit. So what does that do for the marriage? Here you have a husband who's gone most of the time. You regulate your own household, you regulate your own your children, and then suddenly he is back, and it can cause marital discord. Uh, I mean, it can really cause problems. I think because we do get it's sort of like you just have to learn to survive, and once you do, then changing back to different like trying to readjust to somebody is not easy. There
3: are different modes, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, so tell us about you. Uh,
3: uh, Who's our next guest?
2: Yeah. Am I
3: How detailed should I get? Um, so what about me? What do you want to know?
2: I want to know. I think that's a... I, I think you about up that
3: a... this morning. I said, you know, today's the day she's going to put me on the spot. I can just tell. It's you the, are right. It's the perfect day.
2: Uh-huh. It is the perfect day. But, you know, people want to hear. because You know, the the thing is about us when we talk, you, you want to get... If you're going to tell a story... I want the real story. You want the real story because it's helpful to other people who are in the same position. And I think with couples being so mobile and people having different jobs and all over the country, it is a problem. You're not the first person to bring it up.
3: See, I don't present it as a problem. I see it as an opportunity, but that's the difference. You know, I try to see the glass half full. I do think it's good for me to have my space. It's just generally good for me. And I do think that I could have gotten in a mode where I could have complained about it and made it difficult, but I realized that 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 was one way. So for me, I take advantage of the time that I have by myself, and I enjoy that time. And then he comes home, and it's a different kind of time, you know?
2: See, taking that's your personality, I think, which is, like, so positive about you, which is, I mean, it's really... It, I mean, you have that ability to really look at things not half empty but half full. I mean, that's the old analogy, but it's true. Like, this is an opportunity. It's not something to – because many women, and I have a couple of girlfriends who say, I mean, all they do is complain. He's not here. He doesn't do this. He's not there. And they, <laughs> well, that's – I mean, people do that,
3: and that's, again, you have to decide what you want to look at, you know, what you want to put your attention on. So, yeah, I could totally see people getting all – Bent out of shape for the person either not being there or being there all the time and not not being perfect. But I don't know. I think it's a good for me, and I think for most relationships, it's important. It's almost it's a healthy thing to have your space.
2: Lauren it also translates into business because I have a brother who is like that he has that same kind of attitude that you do you know if, if the well, economy brother
3: I should meet this brother he's I, there
2: know. I like he yeah if the economy is tank and he knows how to make money I mean he's very successful if the economy is tanking he looks at it from the point oh boy you know you could I mean this is you know you can buy all those stocks now that are really cheap and 10 yep. years from now they're going to be worth a fortune and there are a lot of that's you, there are a lot of other areas but anytime anything happens that is many people see as negative negative, he always puts a positive um, twist you know, on it, yeah. which, so which she, is what she, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah not, and like, it's not, it's, you know, it's a habit. So once you start thinking like that, it does, you start to see life differently. Yeah, it's it, personal life and business. We're taking a break. Catherine zoxel Bell will be back in a minute.
0: Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, .cision us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Time on the Voice America Business Network.
2: Careful at the party, hun. No alcohol, right? I know, Mom. Seriously,
0: you're still growing, and it messes with your judgment. Yeah, I know. Trust me, you could do some things you don't really want to do. If you're a grown woman, it's different, but you're not. I know, okay? I know.
1: Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. Learn more at StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and
0: Human Services and the Ad Council. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening
1: to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Thanks for joining us
2: this morning. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with the microphone. This is the Catherine Zock Show with Lauren Beller-Blake. We've been talking about everything this morning, Lauren. Now we're getting into some really mouth-watering stuff. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with La Bernardin, one of the best restaurants in New York City. No. Have you eaten it? Well, no, if you're not you're familiar, not you haven't eaten yeah, it. Yeah, fantastic restaurant. Well, the chef and one of the co-founders is joining us this morning, and it's Eric and Repair. Uh, he is the, chef, as I say, he is the chef, and he is also the author of a, 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 his new book called On the Line. And he takes readers behind the scenes at La Bernardin, which I said is one of just three New York City restaurants to earn three Michelin stars. Fantastic! So he gives us all the insiders, all the insiders stuff about it with uh, interviews, inventory checklists and kind of a fly on the wall dialogue that bring the business of oat cuisine to life. Welcome to the show Eric. Nice to have you on this morning.
7: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure.
2: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's exciting. So anyway, so if we get the book, we get all the inside uh, information about what's happening in the restaurant business uh, specifically yours. Is that true? Yes, it's totally true. It's like having
7: a, a VIP pass to go backstage at the rock concert except it's in the, in the restaurant uh, and you have, you you know, we document the life of our team and uh, the success and the struggle every day. And uh, I think it's a very inspiring book for whoever has passion for our industry or or whoever has built a team and deal with customer service.
2: You are fading in and out. I don't know. My board up, Ruben, is is it his phone or is it is it is it ours? I don't know because I'm just hearing him. Okay, try to boost up the the sound. All right, so Eric, take us inside. Tell us, I mean, I know the restaurant business, at the very least, is considered one of the most difficult businesses in the world, but when you are running a three-star restaurant, a Michelin three-star restaurant in New York City, I mean, it has to be an enormous challenge. So what are some of the challenges?
7: Well, the challenge is to uh, every day at twelve o'clock and at eight o'clock uh, at night uh, it's to be able to serve about uh, hundred people at the same time with delicious food in a hot plate and in a timely manner and and really to be able to do something like that, uh, you have to build uh, a team and that team has to be very uh, motivated and very uh, expert at what they do and uh, it's not it's not an easy task but uh, because you know, sometimes it, it's raining, or the weather is bad, or everybody comes late, or or people are demanding, and and we have to respond to.
3: Um,
2: Eric, talk about the uh, the uh, the hiring and the training. What, what what goes into the process of hiring and training somebody for a Michelin three star restaurant? I mean, that has to be obviously it's very different than hiring somebody for McDonald's. So, what are some of the nuances? What do you look for in your staff?
7: Yes, we look some. Uh, one of the qualities that someone must have is to be able to, to work in a team, to be a team player. I think that is what we, we look uh, first. And then we look for someone who has, uh, obviously, some, some knowledge uh, or some experience, someone who's hardworking because it, it's hard work and, and we need someone who can focus, and, uh, and someone who's also uh, clean and organized. And those, those are the first qualities. What we are looking for when we are uh, hiring someone
2: so are you looking for people? I mean, I know in New York City a lot of actors, unemployed actors or actors waiting to get their auditions or whatever want to be employed in the restaurant business. Do you hire some of those young actors, or do you only hire people? I know they have to work as a team people who you see as somebody who wants to be there for the long term professional waiters for professional uh, chefs or whatever the the the, the uh, whoever you're hiring for whatever position.
7: Yes, it, it's no actors at Le Bernardin. We, we're looking for professional waiters. We're looking for people who are looking to, to make a career out of, out of it. And uh, uh, in the kitchen, uh, the same, we, we have uh, young professionals uh, and, and some old-timers. However, they all dedicate their life to, uh, to the craft of cooking or, or to, to uh, they dedicate their life to serve in a restaurant with uh, style and, uh, and knowledge.
2: Eric, I think this is a question I've always wanted to ask, and you're the perfect person to ask this because it would seem to me to be a major challenge these days when you're serving the kinds of food that you serve. You know, it's it's the perfectionistic restaurant kitchen that you have, but yet your clientele, and you are you you come from you're, you're from France, and is. Sometimes people who eat at your kind of restaurant, and I'm kind of going on and on with this, may have a lot of money to spend and may want to be eating at the best restaurant such as yours but really don't know how to eat the kinds of food that you serve in the way that you serve it. They eat quickly. They want to eat in an hour and get out of there you know, instead of taking their time. and It must be difficult to anticipate the needs of the different kinds of clientele that you have. Yes, we we
7: have to to read uh, into our clients and and kind of a good sense of what they are looking for. However, in New York City, I must say, we are very, very lucky to have a well-traveled, educated uh, clientele. And uh, people who come to the restaurant really come to have an experience. uh, And uh, they're very um, supportive of what we do and very knowledgeable. And it's it's not that uh, difficult to... Be able to serve uh, what what we want to do to them. All
2: right. so you, you're, it's a sophisticated crowd in terms of their expectations for food, and I also assume for wine. Tell us about your your uh, your bottles of wine and the wine list.
7: Yes, we have about fourteen thousand uh, bottles in storage, uh, and then we have fourteen thousand bottles also at the restaurant. About eight hundred different wines, and uh, they are under the supervision of uh, of the sommelier. Uh, it's a team of four sommeliers, and at the head of the team, we have Aldo Somme, who actually was voted this year best sommelier in the world in, in the competition in Italy.
2: Um, Congratulations.
7: Uh, thank you. He's, yeah. he's very excited about that.
2: Now, uh, you're, you're, uh, the restaurant, your restaurant is modern French cuisine, but emphasis on seafood. Talk to us about some of those seafood recipes, because seafood happens to be my very favorite.
7: Yes, well, we, we serve mostly uh, East Coast uh, seafood. We have also some uh, Japanese uh, fish making the, the, the menu. Uh, for instance, we have hamachi, and uh, uh, we serve some, uh, some oysters from Japan and some special clams. And then we, uh, we serve uh, scallops right now. Uh, it's the season in Nantucket uh, for the best scallops. It's a, it's a season in Maine. Uh, we, we use about 40 different species, and uh, every, every uh, species is cooked in a different way with a different sauce. We have, for instance, uh, a lobster and truffle cappuccino. We have a uh, worm, langostin carpaccio. We have uh, monkfish in a red wine sauce. I mean, it, it, it's a long list of of seafood that we prepare here. Well,
2: people. it all sounds wonderful right now, especially at this mm-hmm. time of day. <laughs> Doesn't it, Lauren? It sounds fantastic. Delicious. Yeah, delicious. But what would you say, uh, uh, what is your, I was going to first ask you like what your biggest challenge was, but I think I want to ask you, what was the, biggest disaster that you ever had to deal with in terms of, 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 your, of the restaurant, in terms of serving, or, or has there been any?
7: Well, it's not like it's, it's no challenge. It's no challenges. disaster, I don't know. But I remember <laughs> once we had a, a, a table of eight people. Uh, they were, I believe, Indian. And they were fighting with their captain because, you know, we had a testing menu which was, I don't remember, probably around $150 a, a person, but the menu didn't say per person. So they were arguing with the captain that uh, 150 would mean for all, all of them, and the captain was very defensive, and, and it, it was almost uh, a fight-breaking in, in the restaurant. And uh, I, I went and finally um, uh, told them that it, it, they were not that naive to be in New York City and, and well-dressed the way they were, and to believe that they will eat in, in a city like New York testing menu and, and pay 150 for eight people. So we we resolved the problem and they paid for the regular uh, prefix menu and uh, I think that could have been uh, a bigger disaster than what it was already.
2: Yeah, well, it was probably. It's a good thing that you were there to be able to negotiate and uh, to calm them down. And you're so right. I can't imagine that they would even think that you, for $150, you could serve a group of people in New York City at the kind of restaurant that you have. Now, just what about, you know, I mean, kind of bringing this into the present, like, the economy is tanking, people are afraid, they, you know, how does that affect your business? I mean, uh, or does it not? People like to, you know, sometimes when things aren't going well, what you want to really do is go out and nurture yourself and feel good so you go to a lovely restaurant to feel better. Um, Does it have any effect on on your clientele, your business? It
7: it has uh, a small effect since October. Until then, we were were at the same uh, pace as last year. Since October, we have uh, seen a little bit of a slowdown. However, New York is very transient and very busy, and uh, it's a lot of uh, people uh, Christmas shopping and a lot of business still going on in the city and people celebrating. Uh, It's not too bad. I believe that uh, uh, restaurants like us uh, are, are providing safe value for, for your dollar, and people really want to go um, to a place where they know that for, for their dollar spent, they will get the maximum. So um, in some ways, we're benefit I- benefiting from, from the crisis.
2: Yeah. So if they are going to go out and they want to have a want to really go to a fine restaurant, they are going to be have more discerning taste. So they will choose your restaurant. So that's the plus or the upside of it. Uh, your book, we can buy the book on the line. Um, bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com. Yes. Great. What's well, been great? Everywhere on,
7: on every site.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what about you? Do you have a website?
7: Uh, yeah, we have a website, lebernardin.com, and it's another website called aveceric.com.
2: Great. And I also want to mention, because I still think that you do this, we have like a minute or two left, you are, the, are you the chair of City Harvest Food Council?
7: Yes, I'm uh, on the board of City Harvest, and City Harvest is a wonderful organization uh, distributing to shelter uh, leftover food from restaurants that has been, of course, untouched. And uh, they also uh, distribute uh, uh, food from uh, supermarkets, bakeries, even companies like Danone, when they have uh, yogurt that is expiring, they give it to them and it's distributed to people who are not necessarily homeless. Uh, They are mostly people with jobs and families but don't have enough income to feed the family.
2: Well, that's a, that's a great work, great philanthropy philanthropy work, and I did want to mention that because this is a time when people do need the food, and as you say, uh, need food to feed their families. Um, so I, I just did want to mention that the City Harvest Food Council, which is in New York City, thanks for being on the show this morning, and good luck with the book. On the line, Chef Eric Repair.
7: Thank you very much.
2: Have a great holiday, Lauren. I'm here. Are you? As What are you? Is your mouth watering?
3: I always love good food. It's nothing like good food at a good restaurant.
2: Well, he's saying $150 for uh, this is one of the best restaurants in New York City. I think it's considered one of the top three. And have you been? No, but I... Add it to the list
3: for the vacation.
2: That's a list for the vacation after January. It's definitely a consideration. I have always wanted to go there, and I have not gone there. But after listening to him, I think I am. And that's our music. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox. We are co-hosting the Catherine Zox Show on Voice America. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Back in a minute.
0: No excuses, no
2: delays. If you have goals you want to achieve or changes you need to make, then it's time to take charge of your life with America's change buddy, Nancy Christie. This show will help you lead a more productive and fulfilling life starting now. Take Charge of Your Life challenges you to expand your sense of possibilities. Take Charge of Your Life with Nancy Christie is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Let change... Be a positive force in your life.
0: Hi, my name is Stanley, and I've been arrested for stealing shoes. I didn't really steal them, but I've been sent to Camp Green Lake anyway. The worst punishment a kid could get. And at Camp Green Lake, we dig holes, lots of holes. I've only been here a short time, but I think the camp director is up to something. I'm Stanley Yelnats, and I'm covering more than dirt
1: at Camp Green Lake. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Holes by Lewis Sachar. For
0: other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: We're back. Catherine Dox and Lauren Deller-Blake on Voice America. Thanks for joining us this morning. We've had all kinds of guests on the show this morning, right, Lauren? Three. Well, here's a surprise for you. This is another one. This is like really good stuff. Ken Harvey, he's Washington Redskins Director of Responsibility. He should be in a Barack Obama's cabinet, because we do need a director of responsibility. He's a former Redskins linebacker. I, when I booked him for the show, I said, as long as I don't have to talk about sports, I'm okay. But he's doing some, as a director of responsibility, he's doing some great stuff in Washington, D.C., as well as nationally. So I'm going to let him tell us what, all about it. Welcome to the show, Ken. How are you this morning?
6: I'm doing great. Uh, one of the things I said as long as I could talk about football, I want to do this show. I'm just, uh, I'm just joking with you.
2: You <laughs> have the wrong group of ladies here. We have
3: no. some. Yeah. I right, so the Go what ahead, is the director
2: of responsibility? What are you doing? I mean, you know, everybody looks up to you, Redskins, linebacker, my God. I mean, my sons would be so excited if they knew I was interviewing you. But, okay, so what is the director of responsibility? What are you doing?
6: Well, you know what? I think that's a key thing is that you have a lot of uh, young people looking up to uh, athletes, and uh, oftentimes uh, the media focuses on the negatives, but there are a lot of positives also. And one of the things we're doing is a uh, rap uh Silver riot program, is to – ensure that uh, Washington, D.C. areas have a safe way home during the holidays uh, because during the holidays uh, people are out and they have a, uh, a festive time, but uh, their lives, you know, they put their lives as well as uh, other lives in danger by driving home in an unsafe manner. And so with the Wrap Sober Ride program, uh, they can dial a number 1-800-200-TAXI and you can get a free cab ride to uh, to whatever your destination is.
2: Great idea. So I mean, that's that really important. Okay, so you're doing that in Washington, D.C., uh, which I think is, what, what is it called, the Sober Ride Program. What about yes. national? And we have a lot of listeners from D.C., but now what can people do nationally as well? Are they Do they have similar kinds of programs? Are you promoting those or what?
6: Well, nationally, there are other programs. RAP uh, is, is, is the Washington uh, Regional um, uh, Alcohol Program, so it's for this area, but there are other programs that are similar and, uh, and have been successful. RAP is... Uh, is one of the leaders in this area.
2: So, Ken, now here, there's a number to call. You just gave us a number. There's also a website that listeners can go to, which is... Yeah. Uh,
6: www.soberride.com. It's soberride.com. I have a... Like Texas accent, so uh, hopefully they could <laughs> pick that up.
2: You know what? It is hard to understand. I'll tell you, I'm from the Northeast, and uh, you know, so I had uh, trying to understand people from the South isn't always easy. But uh, so, how did you get involved in this? When did you feel like, okay, I've got to do something? I mean, obviously, you know, you, as you say, when you're an athlete like you are, and there's so many young people who look up to you, it is a responsibility to get involved in these kinds of things because you have the opportunity to save lives through these kinds of programs.
6: Well, it was exactly that. I mean, I, I by no means would consider myself a saint, but uh, as as you go through your career plan in football and you get a chance to uh to talk to people and to deal with people, and you realize the the uh, position and the power that you have, you also realize that you can do good as well as, as well as bad. and so uh, having this position and opportunity to uh, to get the message out. By different programs that are out in the community that can uh, help people out is, uh, is part of my uh, title and something I enjoy doing. If anything, to be a voice that uh, gives people the ability to, uh, to dial the number or check out the website or to make a decision before anything else could happen. You know, this is a matter of uh, someone saying that, you know, before I know I'm going to go out, I know I'm going to have a good time, but before anything happens, I don't make sure I'm equipped to uh, make a, a good decision.
2: And I think you also have to, from a parental point of view, besides the the, 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 you know, you may have teenagers who can, or even just young people who go out. They're embarrassed. They don't want to uh, hire a taxi. But when someone like you says, "Okay, it's okay, you can do it," uh, you also want to, I guess and I don't know if this is part of the program, inform the parents not to get mad at them, you know, whatever it is. If you come home in a taxi, it's fine with us, don't you? That's part of it, I would imagine. Well, well, definitely.
6: I mean, you know, you, you want your kids to be safe if it comes out to uh, a young person. Now, this program is for uh, people 21 and over, uh, but uh, definitely you want, you want any individual to be safe. And it's, it, it may be you, it may be a friend calling for you, and then that's the big thing is that we have to look out for each other. Uh, we, you know, sometimes you have a good time, uh, and, and that good time, you may you may uh, have a little bit too much, or you may be, you know, kind of off guard. So you just need to look out for yourself because it's not only your life; it's the life of others out on the road.
2: Exactly. And then one other thing before we let you go, because you're also apparently you're wa- working with the Washington Redskins Char- charitable foundation, Fourth and Life. What's that? Right. Cause that looks another like another well, good thing that has to do with responsibility.
6: Well, kind of. I mean, it, it, a lot of it has to do with giving back. The fourth in life is opportunity for uh, athletes, current athletes and past athletes, to talk to uh, high school uh, house, high school football players about uh, decisions that they make, uh, directions to go, what to do. Uh, one of those things that we've been there and uh, we can give some advice uh, as to uh, as to direction to go. There are challenges that they're going to face that maybe others may not face, uh, In that uh, we could say, look, this is a path that you don't want to go down, or this is a path to go down. And so it's just making right choices and preparing them early that they may be uh, a role model. Even in high school, they're role models for uh, junior high school students or, or younger people, and so decisions they make can affect lives.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that is so necessary. And as you talk about, it's really all about prevention. Because you're right. These guys in high school who are football heroes or athletes who are heroes, the kids look up to them. And so it's all about making right choices, which, uh, I, I mean, it is so important when they see somebody like you, you know, advocating these kinds of things. So Ken Harvey, thank you so much. Washington uh, Redskins Director of Responsibility. Uh, he was formerly a linebacker. I know you're a big guy. Um and uh, have a
6: safe holiday. Well thank you and this uh I, I I'm glad we didn't talk football. Let me give you a quiz real quick. How big a linebackers?
2: <laughs> don't give two
6: hundred and forty pounds maybe, somewhere around there. Hundred and forty pounds.
2: Two hundred and forty
6: pounds. That's that's two hundred and forty pounds. Two hundred and forty pounds and we're kind of the good looking mean guys.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
6: I can, I can say whatever I want because you don't know. I'm just we're the good looking strong mean guys.
2: You look good to me, that's all I can say, but I wouldn't mess with any of you, I'll tell you that right now.
6: (laughs) Thank you for having me on your show.
2: Thanks, Ken. Ken Harvey. Yeah, He's a terrific guy. I think he's doing really good stuff, right? I'd say. Three of us, four of us, Lauren, wouldn't make up what 240 pounds, right?
3: Definitely not. But 140 that's not true. We could do, two of us would be close.
2: Yeah, two of us would be close, but... um, We'd need three to go over the scale. Right. Whatever he says goes in my book, but... uh, Uh, Yeah, no, but it is really good. And in Washington, D.C., that's what he's doing for this uh, December 12th to January 1st. You get a free cab ride home. And it's you know, Perfect. up to a $50 fare, and you can call the number 800 200 taxi That's if you're in Washington, D.C., sober ride. Uh, real important, and you just have to, if you tell people about it and say it's okay, then they'll do it. I mean, you're going to get in that stage with Sierra. I know you don't think so now, but, boy, it happens faster than you think, even though she's only three. Not quite three. Almost three. Oh my. I know, but it does happen. I mean this whole responsibility thing and I think you have to take these athletes to exactly what he's doing like this char- charitable foundation uh going across the country telling these kids they have to be responsible um because they get a bad rap too. The press seems to get them when they're they're on drugs or something bad has happened it's too and late it's really yeah.
3: too
2: late. Right? Yeah. All right, my dear. We uh we gotta oh my. it was a good potpourri today, my friend. It was. Could we have gotten into more different kinds of topics today? I don't think so. No,
3: but you did a good
2: job segueing
3: Segway, okay. from one to the next.
2: <laughs> Thank you, you're my best critic anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, talk to you uh, after the cruise. Um, we're going to have for the next two weeks uh, Best Of, so you can tune into those. And if you haven't listened to any of the other shows, we have a whole archive. You can go to com and you can archive the shows on uh, Voice, Voice America. And, uh, or you can go directly to the VoiceAmerica.com website. Have a great holiday!